Today, on the first ever episode of CityCast Las Vegas, Las Vegas rents are spiking at an alarming rate, up 33% since 2020. Affordable housing is a real issue here. Governor Sislak recently pledged half a billion dollars to address it, but is that enough to close the largest gap in the country between supply and need? Is there a pathway to stay hopeful, or will finger-pointing stall it all out? We'll discuss these questions and some surprising answers with journalist Michael Lyle of the Nevada Current. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Michael, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you so much for having me, David. So, Michael, let's just jump right into it. We, we are hearing a lot about affordable housing lately, not having enough, what we're going to do about it. But when we talk about affordable housing, what do we mean? Excellent question. I feel like we kind of get lost in affordable housing and there's a lot of misconceptions around that. So when we're talking about affordable housing, we're talking about people not spending more than 30% of their income towards housing. So if you are spending 30% on both rents and utilities, you're deemed housing insecure by HUD's definition. That's the United States Housing and Urban Development Department. And so what that means is if you're spending more on that, you're compromising other aspects of your life. Everything else is kind of going at a deficit because all your funding and all your money is going towards housing. And right now, Looking statewide, we're about 100,000 units short um, of affordable housing that we need. So let me ask, who in our community is struggling with affordable housing right now? Are there identifiable groups or people that we're most concerned about? Absolutely. So those that are either experiencing homelessness or trying to exit homelessness that are being connected to social service providers that are trying to get off the streets, which that demographic is changing too, that we're seeing more families just because coming out of the pandemic and economic uh, insecurity that has arise from the pandemic. That's, I think, the biggest group of people that you think about when you talk about housing insecurity. The reality is it's so much more. So some analysis, I think the Nevada Housing Coalition just uh, told us to lawmakers the other week that a one-bedroom home in Las Vegas or a one-bedroom home in Reno, you need to be uh, about 40000 to $44,000 a year. So that's about $19 an hour. Our minimum wage is about $9 an hour. And most professions make way less than that. So what we're talking about, the people that need affordable housing, that's the people running our tourism, people that are working for casinos, that's bus drivers, that's home care workers. So these are a lot of working professionals that are making our state work, making our economy run, making our tourism run, taking care of the people that are coming into town. So that's who we're talking about when we talk about who lacks affordable housing. Wow. And and that really is stark because so much of Las Vegas's economy depends on those workers. Absolutely. It's heartbreaking to kind of hear the stories of, well, what do I choose? Do I buy my insulin, which is a life-saving medication, if you know, or do I pay this rent and avoid eviction? It's very easy to get evicted here in, in Nevada. So they're choosing, like, do I forego uh, a meal this week or do I go to a food bank instead of buying the groceries that I need versus making this rent? 
how do you make a decision between going to see a doctor for an illness versus paying rents? Those shouldn't be decisions that you have to make. Yeah, no, I can't even imagine. And, you know, I want to talk about that spike in rent that we're seeing in the in the headlines a lot in just a second. But I also want to kind of turn over to what we're doing about it as a community. Uh, I know that Governor Sisolak announced an affordable housing uh, plan of sorts and a devotion of some monies that were from some federal grant, I believe, as uh, as being dedicated to affordable housing in his uh, state of the state speech. Money is great, and and obviously mentioning affordable housing is important. But what does Governor Sisolak's plan entail? Could could you maybe give us a breakdown? So one of the big barriers for building affordable housing beyond political will sometimes is actually financing. Sometimes you just ha- don't have the funding to to build these projects. So the American Rescue Plan Act that was passed as a relief bill in March of 2021 and signed into law by President Biden gave states an unprecedented and historic amount of money. Uh, Nevada received about $6.7 billion. And so there has been a push at the local and state level to see a lot more spent on a de- developing housing projects. And so the governor announced that he wants to invest about $500 million into affordable housing projects. That still has to be approved by the legislator, which should be seeing some action probably in April. But what that means is, so the largest portion of this money, about $300 million, is to be directed towards the creation of affordable housing projects. It will probably take some time to see those projects come out of off the ground, but that's going to be about 1,000 to 2,000 units, give or take, just depending. That's a huge investment from the state, the $500 million. But the money also does a few other things. So there's about $130 million that's been pledged for the preservation of housing. So last year, during the legislative session, they there was a bill that looked at the preservation of affordable housing. So sometimes when nonprofit developers or when contractors come in and want to build units, sometimes to get tax breaks, they allocate a certain amount of their units towards affordable housing. But those are ta- uh, attached to a time frame. They usually expire maybe 15 years, 30 years. And what the state was finding last year was they were at risk of losing 7,500 units uh, that were going to be converted from affordable to fair market rate, so out of people's range. So there's going to be increase of some housing, but a decrease of some housing at the same time. Is that what's happening? Yeah, David, the report that looked at this was actually pretty crazy. So each year we were building some affordable housing units. However, we we're losing affordable housing units. And then on top of that, we were showing population growth. So essentially we we're at, at net zero of how much affordable housing units were entering the the uh, in, into the state. And so that was a huge push by housing groups to actually see some type of dedicated funds towards the preservation. And so Governor Sislak seemingly obliged. Um, well, like I said, this has to be approved by lawmakers at the state level. But this is the direction that we're taking to actually put some money into the preservation. So not only are we building more units, we're not losing the units that we uh, have already acquired and that people are already living in. I, I really can't get over the fact that, you know, we're, we're devoting... Uh, potentially half a billion dollars to affordable housing. We know that there's, you know, a a gap of over a hundred thousand. And even with the municipalities using their own money, like the city of Las Vegas or the 
unincorporated Clark County, that we might only have hundreds or maybe thousands more. So we still have this huge gap. So, uh, I mean, where are where are people living? What Who have you talked to about things that are happening to them? People, like I said, the pandemic, we saw a lot of businesses, a lot of budgets slash. And so people have, have seen their incomes decrease. Um, people that were normally living pay to, paycheck to paycheck, but still were good in a good position. And then all of a sudden, I've heard so many stories of people having to live in with family or share housing with families. Um, for a story that I did on the child tax credit, which during the American Rescue Plan Act, they kind of expanded the definition of the child tax credit and made monthly payments. So people were getting maybe like a couple hundred extra dollars each month. In reporting that story, I talked to one family who during the process of the pandemic, their landlord said that they no longer wanted to uh, own their property, were selling it. And this family had to move in with their other family just because they just, there was no place for them to rent. I'm seeing that so often. Of, and there isn't any, any good data on this, but I, that's what I'm hearing anecdotally of people having to double up in housing and moving move in with friends. I've heard stories of people having to go rely on weekly hotels because... One, it's just costly to find rentals. The application process, the deposit fees, all the things that go into searching for affordable housing is just not, it's not easy for working people. And so weekly, sometimes it's an expensive option. And that's another topic of conversation, but it can be a convenient option. And so a lot of families are going there and Help us out in Nevada. I was speaking to them for another story about rising rents, and they're seeing an increasing number of families that are living in cars, which is something that we haven't typically seen. Uh, according to some social service providers, we haven't typically seen that in previous years, but we're seeing a rise in that now. To what degree, I don't know, but people are very desperate out there. Yeah. They are trying to find creative solutions. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just hearing about people having to go into weeklies because of the desperation. And yeah, it's convenient. But I think if you do real easy and quick math, uh, living in a weekly for an extended period of time is more than most people pay for their mortgage. Uh, and and it's no, not living in the greatest of conditions, I'd imagine, especially if you have a family. Michael, I, I think it all brings us to the ultimate question, maybe the half a billion dollar question is, Whose responsibility is it to make sure that there's affordable housing? Is is it the governor just making the proclamation? Is it the legislature having to approve it? Or is it the municipalities trying to implement it? Is it the, the private sector? And what are the challenges of all those different possible players uh, actually making a difference in our community? The answer to your question is yes, all of the above. Like, everyone's <laughs> yeah. responsible. Like, yeah. It was loaded. Um, yeah. <laughs> but everyone is responsible for this, um, not just for humanitarian reasons. Like, I believe housing is a human right. Like, it's the foundation of everything. It's a foundation for you to be able to live your best and potential life. You, everyone should be housed. We should be seeking to get housing. I believe that absolutely in my bones. But it is a fiscally responsible 
reason too. When people enter homelessness, that is costly for taxpayers. That is costly to the system. People are relying on social services. They're relying on emergency room visits. Sometimes they end up in jail, which is also costly and not efficient. And so it is a burden on taxpayers to not invest in affordable housing. So with that in mind, that is on everyone. If you don't believe it for humanitarian reasons like I do and like so many people do, think about it for a fiscal reason. Like, it's going to cost you in the long run not to invest in affordable housing. No, that's a great point. But let me ask you this too. Are are the various responsible players here working well together? Uh, are they coming up with a solution that they could all work together and, and pitch in their part? Or is there maybe some conflict or tension? It feels like there's more hands on deck when it comes to developing affordable housing Looking at short-term solutions, we haven't gotten to it, but there's a lot of back and forth on rent control and what the county and cities can and cannot do. I don't know if they'll ever approach that question or go beyond just the conversation. But in that aspect, there's a lot of finger pointing. The state says, no, you have the power. The county says, no, we don't. Like, And so there's a lot of finger pointing. And caught in the middle are everyday people just struggling to live. And as that gap grows... Uh, the urgency is only going to, I mean, I don't know if it could become more of a crisis based on what we've been discussing, but even even more so. Um, is there going to be a special session on this? Is it risen to that level of crisis that we, we really need the legislature to act right now? Because it sounds like despite Governor Sisolak putting that as a key point in the state of the state, that there's still more that needs to be done right away to even get that modest amount of growth as quick as possible. As far as approving the money, the governor believes that he can approve a lot of this money without a session. However, kind of going to your point, there is other aspects of this crisis, especially securing tenants' rights. Yeah. I've asked a lot of housing organizers and groups, and they would love to see a special session. I don't think there's a political will. We're in the middle of a midterm election. It's going to be very heated and contentious. Everyone uh, confirms that it is a crisis, but like, has it risen to the crisis level for a special session is the question that they won't answer. If there's no political will, sometimes these huge issues get unaddressed, or at least you know people are given a little bone like a, a, a commitment to a large amount of money, but maybe not seeing what they need to see. So, Michael, as we move forward... Uh, what can be done now? So on the county and city level, they are looking at rent, more rent relief programs. The county was just talking about having another program to catch, using American Rescue Plan dollars to catch at-risk seniors on fixed incomes that are at risk of eviction and homelessness. But it go, begs the question, if we keep secure, or if we keep propping up more programs Using federal relief dollars to catch more people, why are we not looking at ways to cap the rent rates? And that's another conversation that is worth exploring. I'm not saying we should 100% enact rent stabilization or rent control. What I'm saying is you should at least be willing to have a conversation and look at mm. the benefits, the pros and the cons. I want to see a full detailed analysis on why you think rent control will and will not work. And that conversation's not happening. 
Well, here's here's to having adult conversations about this very serious topic. And I'll be looking forward to, as I'm sure most people who are following this issue, all your reporting on it, uh, the stuff you've been doing in the Nevada Kern is just outstanding. And whether you're going to be writing about rent control or uh, all the other aspects of of helping folks get into what you describe, and, and I don't disagree, a, a, a right to housing is vital and important. We appreciate the work you've done and look forward to the work you're going to do. Michael Lyle, thank you so much for joining us today on CityCast Las Vegas. Uh, We look forward to talking with you in the future. I look forward to that, David. You can find Michael's most recent article on rent control at NevadaCurrent.com. And now, without getting to morning DJ, here's a bit more of Las Vegas news with our producer, Layla Mohammed. Hey, Layla. Hey, David. So if you're one of those people who dislike the carpool lanes on the freeway, and a lot of you do, you'll love this. The state transportation department says it may reevaluate whether those lanes are actually serving a useful purpose. Sure, it will take more than a year, but some changes may be on the way. Next, along with packed concerts and busy casinos, here's an official sign that Las Vegas is bouncing back from the pandemic. It looks like unemployment rates in February dropped to 5.1%. What's really encouraging, officials say, is that half of the 6,300 new jobs were in the hospitality business. That was the industry hit hardest by the pandemic. That's all for today, but our discussions about housing will continue on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed our first episode, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Thursday with more news and culture from around the city. Talk soon. Yeah, he's barking in the backyard because the mailman just walked by. I'll be done in a sec. Sorry. He's in the backyard, far, far away, and yet he's got a voice on him. He does. Maybe one episode for Spark.